Hello, I'm Laura Jays. Welcome to the PwC Federal Budget Podcast. COVID-19 triggered the largest work-from-home transition the world has ever seen. Coupled with the rise of online shopping, digital entertainment and telehealth, it's little wonder that the 2021 federal budget has continued the government's investment into digital. I caught up with PwC Cybersecurity and Digital Trust partner Nicola Nickel and Telecom, Media and Technology partner Mohammed Chowdhury to discuss why the government's digital economy strategy is a step forward, what key industries will benefit from the greater digitisation and how to enable the next generation of digital talent. So can Australia achieve its ambition to be a top 10 digital economy by 2030? Let's find out. We should start at the very beginning. The government has been talking about the digital economy, as you'd expect. It's put this goal forward of top 10 by 2030. Nicola, give us an idea of where we are compared to the rest of the world. And yeah, so Laura, you know, if you look at Australia from a security point of view, we've invested um, over the last 12 months and in the 2020 budget, there was significant investment in cyber. And this year is really a continuation of that. Um, and it's about really building trust in our system and building trust in the ecosystem. Um, and I'll give you an example. If you look at some of this simplification but also security of citizen services. So things like building out a better consistent digital identity across government services. That's actually forecasted to unlock $11 billion per annum in reduced servicing costs. So there's really that linkage and connection between, you know, implementing improved citizen services and making things simple and making them secure at the same time really delivers economic value. Corporate Australia is often ahead of government when it comes to steps towards the digital economy. But with this target from government, how does it support what already is being done? There there is a lot being done by corporate Australia, especially large corporates and big end of town companies who are generally much more advanced with digitisation than medium or small sized businesses. But the real opportunity, Laura, is uh, in that SMB space, which is over 55% of our GDP, um, but at the moment, um, much less digitized than a lot of their peers in other um, OECD countries like like Germany or South Korea, for example. So uh, today in Australia, almost 75% of SMBs uh, don't have a high-speed broadband connection. So if you think about that, it really shows us what the opportunity is for the digital economy going forwards. Uh, for for Australia to to really grow and to target being in that sort of top 10 digitised countries within the next decade. Mohammed, what can we learn from other countries who are better at this than we are at the moment? The countries that have uh, successfully digitised, Laura, are ones that have really had a champion that's been behind the digitisation. Digitisation happens in thousands of businesses around the country and affects millions of employees. So having a champion in those first few years is very key. So if you look at the examples of Singapore, they had a minister of digital economy across the nation. If you look at Finland, they were absolutely determined in creating the right policy and regulatory environment for digitization right from the center of government. Uh, And we we can see the same sorts of things happening in countries such as the UK and the US. So Australia probably needs to have a focusing mission around digital economy 
which probably needs to come partly from federal government, but probably needs to come from states as, as well. The second thing I would then say is that that mission needs to be followed through into the implementation of these programs. Nicola, COVID-19 has dictated so much of our lives over the last year, but what are the opportunities here? How can we dictate it? Um, So I think a real opportunity here is twofold. Um, One, it is to um, really embed security upfront in everything we're doing to digitise the economy. Um, If we look at um, you know, it, it, 95% of Australian CEOs have said that cyber is a threat to business growth. And I think we have an opportunity to get ahead of that risk and actually build in solutions upfront and early in our digitization agenda. So I think that's one significant opportunity. And um, the other is to build capability and build skills and experience. And, um, you know, we've seen many individuals in different groups, actually women in particular, impacted by the pandemic. And as we look to grow and uplift our skills in the cyberspace and even in the digital space, then we've got an opportunity to help people get into really well-paid careers and, and start to grow and impact and improve an economy through that recruitment and that improvement of skills. Well, in the budget, there was $1.2 billion going towards this digital economic strategy. It's a step forward. And I think we've just had a year where people have interacted with services such as MyGov, My Health Record and the digital identification system who really wouldn't have done that pre-pandemic. How will this budget spend help customers have a better experience, Mohammed? This budget couldn't have come at a better time. So firstly, as you've rightly said, Laura, the COVID-19 experience forced most of us into adopting digital technologies in our day-to-day lives and in our work. Uh, We basically went through a decade's worth of digitization over a nine-month period. And as a result of that, the country is now much better poised to pivot into digitization in in a bigger way. Than it, than it was before COVID-19 hit us. In terms of uh, healthcare, it's probably a very obvious industry to start with. And the money that's going to go into MyGov, about $200 million, um, and my health record, $300 million, will actually go a long way to sort of continuing the advances made during COVID-19. And, and that'll impact many parts of our society in different ways. So if, for example, you take aged care, aged care is potentially one of the real beneficiaries from digitization, because today, uh, in many of our aged care facilities, elderly uh, citizens are uh, really confined to staying in the facility. Whereas with better digitization and connected technologies that allow individuals to be monitored, even when they're moving around, or even for their medication to be um, adjusted, um, it means that a lot of our elderly citizens will actually be able to go out more often from the aged care facilities, spend time with their families, perhaps even visit home, and to do so with a dignity, knowing that they've got a level of care behind them thanks to digital technologies, which are able to exchange and utilise their data in a really efficient way. So this, this really comes at a good time, not just for healthcare, but for other industries too. And Nicola, beyond health, where do you see the opportunities? And what I was really pleased to see was there's this focus on uplifting the protection of sensitive data that's actually held by government. 
And also some things like the pilot of cyber hubs, which is all about how do we make sure that smaller government departments and agencies that perhaps don't have the skills and capabilities themselves to really protect services in, in, in a really mature way, they were actually looking to centralise some of that. When Mohammed talks about all of those impacts across industries and, and, and citizens, we actually really are also seeing here the focus on strengthening the government uh, services themselves and government's data protection. We didn't see a huge investment in the budget when it came to cybersecurity. Apart from the expansion of the Cybersecurity Innovation Fund, how important is that fund and is it going to make a meaningful impact? Yeah, so, so I think it was first you know that that continuation I think of, of spend is really the theme so there was not a lot of net new information in the budget on cyber but it's more about the continuation from last year and um, the expansion of the fund I think though is really key there's 40 percent of Australian businesses are planning to increase their cyber headcount this year and we've never seen a witness such a high demand for cyber resources. So I think having that fund there and increasing the spend on that for this year is really important. What I'd like to see is just some expanded objectives around that. So let's make sure that that funding is really uh, focused on the right things and we're able to measure the impact of it. I think for me, that's what's key, but it was great to at least see that increased investment. I think that's going to be important for building our capability going forward. Mohammed, you identified some areas where business can expand in the digitization journey, if you like. There has been an establishment of the new national network of artificial intelligence centres. Is that a leap in the right direction or just a step? That's a great question. I would say it is a very important step in the right direction because it's really important that Australia does develop onshore capabilities and skills in areas such as artificial intelligence. And that's because those um, technology capabilities need to be very accessible to our businesses. They need to also be onshore so that we have a level of um, resilience and um, our own capability in these, in these areas, especially as trade patterns and um, political patterns around the world for trade you know, influence change. And especially as Australian businesses seek to become much more participating in, say, the Asian and Asia-Pacific economy and, and broader. Do we have the pipeline of skilled workers coming through? We do have a strong capability to develop that pipeline. Um, so if you look at some of our universities, we have world-class research capabilities in various technologies uh, across different industries. We need to do more probably to develop that pipeline of graduates and skilled uh, technicians who are coming through. But we also probably need to develop our capabilities, not just in technical skills, but actually in human skills and collaboration skills in order to utilize the benefits of digital technology. And Mohammed, I could not agree more if you even think about that through the security lens. So we've actually seen a change in the requirements for hiring and where employers are hiring for cyber skills. And what's become really important are things like communication skills, problem solving, social skills. So that breadth of what employers are now looking for, I think both in the digital, uh, broader digital uh, economy, but also in the cybersecurity space. I, I very much agree with you. And building on that, I think that um, sort of two points that come to mind. One is that we must think of the digital economy as an inclusive economy. So you've already talked about um, diversity and inclusion. 
And I would sort of add to that by saying that there's also a regional element to this in Australia. So Australia is very much dominated by the CBDs in our state capitals. However, um, a significant amount of our, of our population, and, and perhaps increasingly so, will be living in regions. And to some extent, um, there is a real focus now, I think, especially from state governments and helped very much by some of the federal funding to really make sure that our digitization is inclusive geographically to different communities in rural and regional areas. That's very much important, A, from a connectivity perspective so that we get the right fiber and mobile connectivity that mean that different communities can participate in this digital economy. But I think also from a skills development perspective, it's very important that um, we are very inclusive in our communities getting onto this digital economy and not having uh, the threat, if you like, or the risk of a digital divide going forwards. You both talked about the need to attract talent to the industry. If I could bring it back to the budget, there's a $100 million line item there for development of digital skills in the workforce, and this is including cadetships as well. Nicola, are we good at this as a government? Is this enough? So I think we're getting better. Um, we are investing more every year in, in looking at how we increase our digital skills. We're looking at more partnerships because, you know, if I look at it, you know, no, not one of us can solve this problem. It's not government's problem to solve. It's not industry's problem to solve. It's got to be, um, you know, Australia's challenge. And actually, I think it represents a huge opportunity um, for uh, not just our up and coming students who are coming into the workforce but also for those who want to change and get into you know learn new skills and move industries and get into other well-paid jobs so I think we've got to think really broadly about what we're doing I think it's about partnership between uh, government and private sector um, and I think we're improving every year I think we're recognizing the need for investment and what I'd like to see is us measuring those outcomes right I think what's really important is us being able to track that and understand are we are we making enough inroads as we go forward. So what has Australia got to gain from increasing focus on digital progression and what are the key ingredients? What's at stake here, uh, Laura, to your, to your question, is a lot. So, I mean, our, according to some of PwC's analysis, um, the economy stands to gain something like 2% in sort of revenue growth or output growth um, through digitization. And if you add that up across the economy, over the next decade, according to our, our analysis, we could be looking at a $230 billion uplift in GDP over the course of the next 10 years, which is very significant if you think about that. So really, this needs three levels of activity off the back of the federal budget. Number one, I think it means that the federal government and indeed the state governments must coordinate really closely when it comes to digital economy. The second one I would say is, would be implementation. So we've seen a fantastic line of initiatives coming through the federal budget. I think the detail now about how these initiatives are implemented will actually tell us a lot about how successful we can be over the next few years. And the third one, I would say, if I may, would be partnership. And I think this is about partnership between industry, government, and also some of the communications companies, which, which are really key to providing the underpinnings for our digitized economy. And that partnership um, is something probably new to us in terms of the extent of partnership that's going to be required over the next few years. Indeed, you've both said that it's not up to, to government in this space alone. 
But is there something else, Nicola, government can do besides those three points that Mohammed made? Um, so for me, there were two things that struck me. One, that we've talked about you to digitise the economy, you've also got to make sure you do that in a secure and safe manner. So what I would like to see is the government actually um, building, making sure we're building in security up front. So when you look at the digital economy strategy, it's, it's security, yes, is a key pillar in that, but I think it could better talk to making sure that we're building in security along the way, because I think that's a, that's a foundational piece that must happen in order to protect this digital economy as we move forward. The second point in my mind is about measurement. I think we've, as we move so fast, right, and the digital economy and the pace of change is significant and probably, you know, something that we are we're continuing to get used to. Um, if you look at that pace of change, we need to make sure security keeps up with that pace of change and we're spending and improving security in the right areas. Well, let's finish on that 2030 target. The government wants to be a top 10 digital economy. Is it achievable? And is it ambitious enough? It's, it's absolutely achievable. Um, we are an OECD nation. We are the world's 14th biggest economy. There's no reason why we shouldn't be in the top 10 digitized economies. There's a lot of hard work to be done, which requires all of coordination, implementation and partnership. So it'll be very much in our hands to be able to achieve that target collectively. And if we're able to really uh, gather around this, I think we can do it. Nicola, Mohammed, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for listening to the 2021 PwC Federal Budget Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our commentary. For additional in-depth analysis, head over to pwc.com.au forward slash federal budget, where you'll find articles and information about the 2021 Federal Budget and what it means for the economy, our society and you. PwC Federal Budget Podcast brings together experts to explore what the budget means for you and your business. Do not miss an episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite platform. And while you're there, feel free to leave a rating or a review. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now.